Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Phil um, implied earlier something that I guess many of us will realise, which is that the, um, the entire credibility of our church, of the church, of um, the gospel, hangs on one single factor, which is, is Jesus dead or alive? Uh, was the resurrection fiction or fact? Uh, Did the story end on Friday or on Sunday? Which side of the weekend do we stand on? And, um, of course, if if Jesus um, died and and stayed dead, then uh, he'd still have been a great teacher, still have been a a, a prophet, recognised by by other religions as such. He would still be the founder of... Well, he wouldn't really, but if you just go with me, he'd still be the founder of a great world religion. Of course, that wouldn't have happened, but... If he is alive, if he is alive, not just was alive, if he is alive, then he is who he said he is. He is Saviour, Messiah, Son of God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And and if he is alive, we can know him and we can know God and, and we too can live forever. That's kind of the gospel, and we'll say more about that in a moment. But, but you know, the, this question is, is not just theoretical. It's not an interesting musing. It's not just a sort of conceptual thing. This is, uh, for every one of us in this room, it's the question that Martha was asked. And it's an absolute game changer for all of us. Is he dead or alive? You know, even as, even as Christians, that can still be a bit of a game changer. Is he dead or alive? Am I displaying his life? And um, all four of the Gospels have different stories about um, events uh, after... They all record a resurrection, and they all have some stories of what happened between him being raised from the dead and him being ascended into heaven. And... John's Gospel has the most of them, and, and, and there's a particularly, particularly brilliant story in John 21, and we're going to read that together, and the words will be on the screen, so uh, that's maybe the easiest way of following it. So here we go, John 21. I'm just going to read the verse that precedes this, and then we'll read this story. So the verse before this says this, uh, These things are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, And by believing, you may have life in his name. Then it says this. After this, uh, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, and Zebedee's sons, that's James and John, and two others, that's seven men, uh, two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing Simon Peter said to them, we're coming with you, they told him. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. 
When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. However, the disciples didn't, did not know it was Jesus. Men, Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did. And they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. And therefore the disciple, the one Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around himself, for he was stripped, and he plunged into the sea. But since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. Don't know where Jesus got his from. So Simon Peter got up and he hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? (laughs) Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. It's a fabulous story, isn't it? I love the the reality of it, the, the, the ordinariness of it in the midst of this totally extraordinary uh, moment and time. And of course, it's a story uh, that, that tells us Jesus was raised from the dead. It's a story of, of resurrection. Um, but it's also a picture of, and I just want to hope we can look at this, a picture of emptiness and fullness. A picture of life without Jesus in charge and with Jesus in charge. A picture of death and life, deathliness and aliveness, if you like. And, and I think there's lots in here we can relate to. So I just want to take a few of the phrases. I'm going to actually slightly come over here, I think, so you can't see. No, <laughs> not that at all. Um, so first of all, there's this little phrase, that, that this statement Peter makes is, I'm going fishing. And um, this story, which takes place um, at the Sea of Galilee... Um, is where everything had begun for the disciples three years earlier. They're back in the same place, back at the Sea of Galilee. And, and there's seven of them this time, but the story really centers around Peter, Simon Peter. And here he declares he's going fishing. Now, if you, if you know the story of this, you'll know that um, just before this, just before Jesus was crucified, Simon Peter had denied Jesus three times. And in fact, it's just after this, it's the second half of of John 21, in which Jesus reinstates Peter and restores him and asks him three times, do you love me? And gives Simon Peter the opportunity to put right that wrong. But right here, Peter is right in the middle of things. He's denied knowing Jesus. He doesn't know he's about to be restored and reinstated. And he's in the middle, in this awful situation of having this massive, unresolved issue. Can you imagine the regret hanging over him? 
Imagine the guilt he feels. Imagine the shame. Imagine the sense of emptiness, let down. he's, He's the one, if you know the story, he protests. Even if everybody else denies you, Lord, I'll never deny you. And then a servant servant girl three times says, I'm sure, I'm sure you were with Jesus, and he denies it. You imagine how Peter's feeling at this point, sinful, ashamed, disloyal, guilty. There's so much stuff going on in his mind, and, and he feels this sense of being crushed and fed up and dejected. And he's wishing above all things that he could just rewind and have that time again. I don't know whether you've ever felt like that. I know I have. Regrets, unfulfilled dreams and hopes, things hanging over, relationships that need fixing. Maybe you felt at times, maybe you feel today far from God and your greatest wishing or longing is that you could stop and rewind and reset things. And run it through again. When, Jesus, when Peter says, I'm going fishing, I don't know all that he means, but there's a sense in which perhaps he means, I'm going back to fishing. I, I've been a failure as a follower of Christ. I've been a letdown. I'm going to go back to fishing. The thing I did before, the thing I did well, the thing I, thing I know I can do, I'm going fishing. I'm not saying that is what he means, but there's a sense, I think as I read it, there's a sense of that. If nothing else, I'm going to check out for the night. I'm going to get some space. I've got to be on the waves, just thinking some stuff through. I need to escape for a while and check out and take my mind off this shame I feel. I'm going fishing. But then the, uh, the terrible... Um, The terrible situation is is the next thing. That night they caught nothing. This is seven fishermen all night catching nothing. You'd almost think this was a divine setup, wouldn't you? (laughs) And now um, Peter at least adds defeated to his list of stuff. Dejected, defeated, caught nothing. I used to, I did used to, I, I did go fishing a few times as a boy. I was always secretly hoping I wouldn't catch anything because the prospect of taking the hook out and touching this fish was too much to bear. My friend Banger, of course, um, he, um, he, he was always very upset if we didn't catch, I was, I was just happy we didn't catch anything. I didn't have to handle any fish. And, but, this, but these are professional fishermen, semi-professional, ex, ex-fishermen. And uh, they're skilled and they're trained and they're proven. And this is total failure. They caught nothing. And their hopes are dashed and their nets are empty and their boat is empty. And for Peter, the future also just feels empty. Emptiness. And, and they come back with nothing. And many of us, and I um, don't know how Phil would have t- told the last 12 years of his life since that moment... But, you know, we, we've discovered, haven't we, life without Jesus does amount to nothing. 
and can have all the appearance of fullness and, and, and of success. And, uh, but, you know, deep down, there's a nothingness. There's a sense of, what, what does it all mean? How does it all fit together? What's, how does it, what's the purpose of it? Or what's the meaning of, of it all? Nothing satisfies. Nothing makes sense. And I remember when I, when I left my old job and I worked in an organisation, some of, some of the senior people in that organisation earned millions and I remember talking with uh, one of them just before I left, and I left to go into what I do now full time. And and um, the uh, I wasn't going to be earning millions, but he said to me, "Do you know? I wish I had what you had. I wish I had what you had." That's the that's the sentiment of many, isn't it? Yeah. Nothing. And. Um, and then it says this, and this is the most, I know Jesus is the most beautiful word, but um, here's another good one. When daybreak came. Daybreak. When daybreak came, it's a fantastic word. It's a fantastic uh, moment, isn't it, when the sun rises and there's a new day. There's a fresh day and, and there's new light and there's new hope and there's new opportunity. And, and um, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe. Peter and his, and his six companions, as they, as they sailed back and the, the, the sun started to come over the, the horizon of that lake, maybe he began to think that perhaps there was something might change. I don't know. Uh, maybe the dejection and the defeat and the emptiness of the past few days and hours might somehow get fixed. And I don't know about you and I today, but... I do know this, everything can change for us today. Yes. Today. Here they are limping home in this empty boat with nothing. Peter in all his dejection and defeat. But here's the thing, they are sailing towards Jesus. But they don't realize it. They are sailing towards Jesus, and, and Jesus is about to reveal himself to them, and it'll be the third time, and their eyes are about to be opened, and, and everything is about to change, and everything is absolutely about to change for Peter, but they don't realize it. He's only 100 yards away. But right now, Peter's still in the middle of it, in the middle of his emptiness, in the middle of his failure and defeat, in the middle of everything that's going on in his head, and he sees this person but doesn't recognize who it is. And I just want to say to you in the room today, he's much closer than you realize. If I could put it this way, he's standing on the shore. If I could say this, he's only 100 yards away. That's really visible, really close. It's as if, he, it's as if he's winding them in. It's a different kind of fishing, but it's as if he's reeling them in. The whole thing was a setup. No fish up to that point. I do know how he does that, controls the fish so they're never where they put their nets down. <laughs> but he's on the shore and he's about to navigate them home, bring them back home. That's his heart towards all of us this Easter time, much closer than we realize. It's so easy to be in the middle of our stuff, in the middle of our situation. Maybe you're in the middle of stuff right now, today, and not realize he is much nearer than you think. 
and he wants to offer the chance to pause and rewind and start afresh. Daybreak is here. If Easter means anything, it means that, doesn't it? Daybreak is here. And then there's this question he asked them. You don't have any fish, do you? I don't think it was, you don't have any fish, do you? Because he's already got, it's, you don't have any fish, do you? And, um, and no, they answer, which is significant, isn't it? Because daybreak comes when we admit our emptiness and we own up to our need and we make ourselves vulnerable because he can fix things. He can turn things around, but we'll never recognize Jesus until we recognize our own need for him. When daybreak came for me, um, and I, I will tell you, it was over 30 years ago, just a short time ago. It, and I just want to say this, this. It was at a Billy Graham meeting. His name's been in the news, of course. At a Billy Graham meeting at the Aston Villa Stadium, Villa Park. And I was ready to give up the search. I'd been on it. I felt like I'd been on it all my life. And um, I was a little bit exhausted from trying to find Christ, trying to find something meaningful, and um, I was ready to give, it up, give up and go it alone. And um, like every Christian before and after me, I had to admit my need, stop my own self-effort, and realize he was much closer than I realized. And he was ready to pull me in, navigate me home. Then Jesus just says this. He says, cast your nets on the, um, on the right side which is, was the opposite to the left side, but it was also the right side. And he speaks into their situation, and, and you know, I think this, t- just to have seen him and heard him and come home empty, with an empty boat and had breakfast, breakfast, all of that would have been enough. But he wants them to succeed. And of course he wants to show them something. And he wants you and I to succeed as well. He wants, um, he wants them to find what they've been looking for all night, He's always, always ready, isn't he, to show his kindness, his generosity, his abundance towards us. They could have caught 15 fish and it would have been something, but there's 153 of them. So they obey his instruction. They cast the net on the right side. They have the miraculous catch. And, um, and um, they realize that Jesus is the difference between nothing and everything. Jesus is the difference between nothing and everything. They could have, uh, they could have blamed the moon the weather, could have blamed one another, could have blamed the nets, could have blamed the boat. But they obeyed Jesus. Didn't blame anybody, just obeyed Jesus and found everything they were looking for. And then there's this lovely description, isn't there? John's the first to realize that it's the Lord. It's the Lord. But Peter's the first to put his clothes back on, and the only one to plunge into the sea, he plunged in. There we go. He plunged into the sea. I, uh, I looked up that word. I thought it'd be lovely if, if, if this word is the same word for baptized. It isn't, unfortunately. <laughs> but he plunged into the sea. He puts his clothes back on. He jumps into the sea because he's desperate to see Jesus. He really knows his need, Peter. He wants to put things right. 
He needs to know he has a future. He needs to know that him and Jesus are, are, are good still. And he plunges in. It, it does mean he casts or he throws off. He abandons everything and he wastes no time and he dives in. Well, I don't know whether he dived in or I don't know how deep the water was, but he, he, he takes some courage, I think, and takes some boldness. He's 100 yards away and he has to push through against the waves, against the obstacles, against whatever was tangling his legs. He has to push through and you'll have to do this. You'll have to push through against the obstacles, but Jesus is waiting for you. He's waiting for you. Just want to say, please, don't waste any time responding to Jesus. However he's calling you today, he's much closer than you think. He's only 100 yards away, and he's visible, and he's reachable, and he's touchable. I want to encourage you to dive in, to jump in, to plunge in, and throw yourself towards him. This Easter, why not take the plunge? And then there's this, this great end to the story. Come and have breakfast with me. <laughs> Come and start this new day with me. It's not, an it's not a command to go to church. It's an invitation to come and have a meal. Because everything about Jesus is relational. He's not standing there wearing robes and a dog collar. In fact, he smells of fish and charcoal. Smoke. It's really real. It's really earthy. It's breakfast with Jesus around a fire, eating fish. I love the fact that he says, "Come and bring some of your fish." He's got plenty already, but he but he wants to, he just wants to be in partnership with them. Come and bring some of your fish. Puts them on the fire together, and they enjoy this friendship, this brotherhood, this relationship. I know that Jesus hates religion, but he loves relationships. Come and start this new day with me. Let me provide for you. Let me cook for you. Let me feed you. Let me nourish you. Add some of your fish to the ones I've got. Let's work together. Just after this, then, Peter is a wonderful story. Peter is asked three times, do you love me? Three times he says, yes, Jesus reinstates him. Peter becomes the rock because of his revelation. He becomes the rock on which that church is founded. We have nothing without a resurrection. But he is alive. And he offers us new life, a fresh start, a new page, a blank canvas. Easter is the climax of the gospel of good news. Jesus came because God so loved the world. Jesus lived to set us an example. He lived without sin. Jesus died to take our place. Jesus was buried properly in the ground. This is no April Fool. Jesus was buried. His body was buried. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead. He's properly alive. He's properly alive, alive and well, raised from the dead. Death could not hold him as we sang. A little bit later, he ascends into heaven and is seated at the Father's right hand and Jesus will come again to judge all of us. This is the good news. In, um, 
a little bit later on in, in the beginning of Acts, it says that Jesus um, appeared to the disciples many times during those um, 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. He, he appeared to them many times to prove he was alive. And I know many people in this room, and I, I just think, you know, he's, he's still showing up. He's still appearing. He's still proving he's alive. That's, that story, that, that truth has been told over and over again in our lives. Jesus proves he's alive. And I don't, let me just finish with the verse I read at the start that precedes this. These things are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. I believe that today on the 1st of April 2018, Easter Sunday, Jesus invites us to start a new day with him. Come and have breakfast with me. Start a new day with me. Daybreak is here. And he's the one who changes everything. He's the one who is really near all the time. He's ready to forgive, to restore, and to give every one of us a fresh start and a fantastic future. So, Lord, we give you thanks this morning. We thank you that you're right there for us. I want to pray that this week we will have many opportunities to tell others that you're alive, that you're changing lives, that you're close by, that we will meet many people this week who just need to know you're the one who transforms. You're the one who's standing ready to navigate us home. You're the one who, 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 who takes our emptiness and gives us your abundance. I pray this week we will have many opportunities to share that great news with other people. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.